Welcome to Analog's Chick, a PlayStation 2 podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS2 title. We cover the development history, discuss the game's legacy, and share our memories, thoughts, and opinions on the game through our modern lens. You can find us on podcast platforms such as... Wait, no, wait. Let me redo that line. <laughs> no, there's no redoing. This is actually... Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you can find us on podcast platforms as Analog Stick, as well as video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel, Joystick. I'm your host, Morgan, and with me is the world's second best super spy, 006. Clayton, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How, how, how y'all doing? It's me, the se- world's second best super spy. From down south also, I from, suppose. From down, from down south, yep. I'm here in the uh, Texas branch of MI6, uh, just doing my due diligence. <laughs> due <laughs> diligence. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, how are you doing, Morgan? <laughs> I, you know, I done got hitched. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, when did we record last? Um, it was a week. It was a week before uh, my wedding. Was that? I'm just trying to figure out. Was that over a month ago, or was that? A What's the date today? Um, almost. 15th. Almost exactly one month ago. Okay, so two days off. Yeah, there we go. It's been about a month. Yeah. So I mean, how's how's married life treating you? How's the adjustment? Uh, you know what? I was not expecting it to be so exhausting. And by I don't mean like relationship. Problems, I mean, like, physically doing laundry and dishes and cooking and cleaning and stuff all the time. I mean, I was doing that stuff before, but, like, I don't think at this level where I am, like, kind of responsible for everything, if you know what I mean. I don't know. And you had to change the locations, so that's yes. a little different. Like, I mean, I guess at your mom's house, you were doing two people's worth of chores for, you know, any chore that you did. Like, you did two people's worth of dishes and two people's worth of laundry. Right, But yeah. It's probably a little different now that you're at a, a new base. Yes, it is. And it's like, I don't know, like on top of um, just like doing those tasks, it's like, okay, well, all of these like items have never been organized before. Now I have to organize them. And I don't know. It's uh, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting less exhausted by, you know, maintenance tasks. So that's good. <laughs> Like at my apartment that I'm currently in, I was only here for like like five months before we got married, so I wasn't like really like settled down with how I had been doing things. So everything was pretty flexible when Claire moved in. Yeah. So, but Sage has been there for like two years, right? Mm, I don't remember. He's just more settled than yeah. I was. Yeah. It, it so. like nothing changed for him basically, besides just me being here all the time. <laughs> I assume that helped. I mean, you were there pretty frequently, so. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that made the transition a little easier. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was, I mean, like the first few nights, like sleeping in like a new bedroom with like a new mattress and everything was a little weird. Yeah. Or, you know, took some adjusting, but after that, eh, we're fine. I can't, it's, it's hard for me to uh, switch mattresses. I have this thing with mattresses where there, it's like a, it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect of uncomfortable where it always starts out uncomfortable then like a month in i reach peak comfort and then for some reason the mattress becomes like increasingly more uncomfortable as time goes on oh no that sucks yeah i've, I've reached that with my current mattress and or just, it's uncomfortable yeah perpetually uncomfortable sleeping for me is a little weird because i need like an exoskeleton of pillows around me okay in order to fall asleep uh, i need like one between my legs i need to hold on to one i need one under my head, and then maybe if I'm wild, a really thin one under my waist. Okay. <laughs> Just to like keep my spine more straight and aligned. You correctly. got a little sensitive spine? 
Well, I have very broad shoulders and a tiny waist. Okay. So it's well, I mean, like and the ideal sleeping position is a, 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 a like straight aligned spine, and deviating from that is usually what's going to cause people discomfort sleeping. And yeah. uh, that's basically my entire life because I got this these these fat honking shoulders, <laughs> itty bitty waist, snatched, and the proper snatched. term is snatched, snatched. And yeah, I'm just I I get uncomfortable very fast. So yeah, that's that's my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, like marriage-wise, you didn't expect. I don't know. Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, we keep, or at least I keep asking him. I'm like, hey, do you feel married yet? And I think a couple days ago, or maybe it was last night, he finally was like, yeah. Because <laughs> for a while, I would ask him, and he'd be like, ah, uh, no, not really, or like kind of. Yeah, I get that. I mean, for a while, it just did not feel that. It's also like a little. I feel like on the wedding day, I had the most sort of like um, detachment from my body because yeah. I just. It was weird that it was happening. Well, it all like happened so married. fast. Yeah, it happens very fast. Yeah. And it's like, this is the thing that we were waiting to do for seven years, and I'm in the middle of it happening right now. And then it's over. It was weird when it was over, because I'm like, it's over? It didn't feel like, I don't know, I guess it didn't feel like incredibly ceremonious, like it just ended. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, you watched Goldeneye. Yeah, so I wanted to do some like preparation and th this was like a little bit over a month ago. Um, but I wanted to do some preparation and like get a feel for like the vibe of like this era of uh, James Bond. So I decided to watch the Goldeneye movie, which I think, did that come out in 95? Or was it 90? Uh, I'm not sure. I also looked into watching a 007 movie. I think I was going to watch No Time to Die or whatever the one. Okay. There's like an advertisement, like a trailer in this game for one Bond movie. And I was going to try to watch that one, but I uh, okay. did not get around to it. Okay. I think Goldeneye was the only one I could find that I could watch for free with Prime. <laughs> So that's the one I picked. But it has Pierce Brosnan, which is what I was looking for because that's what the Bond in this game is modeled after. Mm -hmm. It was it was freaking funny. Like it wasn't supposed to be funny, but it was funny. It was goofy ass it was, movie. It was goofy. <laughs> yes. It was it would go like switch back and forth between this is a serious like super spy, this is a serious suave man, everybody wants to bang him, to like talking to like nerds in the weapons lab and having like physical gag comedy and i was <laughs> like what <laughs> okay i don't know it was a good time i would recommend it i'm sure that would have helped like uh because this is my first experience with anything from the bond ip right uh like real experience i guess like i've 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 bore witness to trailers and such but this is like the only thing that i've like seen to completion like the entire story and everything so yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I was aware of like a lot of the uh, tropes, say, and sort of misogyny. Yeah, the different aspects of what Bond as an IP is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, and it was pretty much what I expected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, other than that, of equal importance to your marriage, dare I say? Yes. Overwatch Two was released. Of equal importance. <laughs> of equal importance. Yes. But yeah, how's uh, how's Overwatch Two been treating you? You know, it's I kind of go back and forth. Because, like, when I'm playing the game, there's a lot of, like, games where I'm like, I am having a good time. But then sometimes I'm like, I miss the 6v6. Or, like, I miss, you know, the old, like, meta or something, I guess, because I understood it better, probably. And then there's some things that feel a little bit broken. Uh, well, we we discovered the broken, a broken team comp, at least, at our mm -hmm. level of play. Um, and that is what we call the beam team. <laughs> yeah. 
the uh, Symmetra, May, Moira, Zarya. I think it's really Symmetra, May is just annoying as hell. Yeah, I was going to um, say, you don't. it doesn't really matter who your tank or who your second healer is. As long as you have Symmetra, May, and Moira, and if you just sort of let the Symmetra, just let her go. Just let her do whatever and just follow mm-hmm. her around. Um, at least if you have a competent Symmetra, which we did because that was you. So... That's me. Yeah, I think part of the reason is that, like, not to get too much into, the, you know, whatever. This this is can be whatever we want. We're yes. going to talk about Overwatch now. Yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, a lot of the heroes are countered by beams, like, um, or not countered, but like they have a they have a weakness to beams that they can't really defend against, like Orisa with her little spear spin can't be blocked or it is it does not block beams and diva Diva doesn't block beams sigma doesn't block beams genji Genji doesn't block beams a lot of fairly popular heroes they're weak to the beams and even like uh with symmetra specifically her beam damage charges off of shields she can kind of just like stare at a winston bubble or a reinhardt shield and just kind of like get her super powered beam going so a lot of a lot of melting potential, especially when you have everyone constantly being slowed by May. Yes. It's a very breakable composition, in my opinion, though. A competent Farah should be able to destroy Beam Team. We just didn't find one last night, so... Yeah, yeah. Personally, I've been enjoying the game. Like, I, I think I like all the changes that they've made compared to what was there in Overwatch 1. Like, the switch to 5v5 is a little, like, bittersweet for me because I do enjoy, like, a lot of the tank synergies that were in Overwatch 1. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of recognize that, like, having two beefy characters and a lot of shields made the game slower. It was kind of a slog. It was kind of a slog. There was various metas throughout Overwatch 1's existence that were just, like painful uh like goats 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 (laughs) was pretty painful there was a period of time where it was orisa sigma for a while so it was like double shield and it was just like holy god i'm always shooting a shield in this game yeah and they made a a lot of changes to just how most of the tanks work i think every tank is a lot more fun to play like orisa now compared to how she was before is like super fun she's like way more brawly instead of just kind of like sitting somewhere and just like laying down suppressive fire basically which is kind of kind of lame and she could be like easily destroyed if you just like walked around her shield she was much more of just like a bunkering sort of character now she's just like always in the fight which is fun i think the whole 5v5 thing hasn't like settled with me long enough to really have a good grasp on how i feel about it but first impressions are mostly positive yeah and i think like the new characters that have added junker queen soldiering and uh karika were all like really fun to play i can't think of any character who's like not at least in some way more fun to play i think mccree kind of sucks um <laughs> but i'm sure he's kind of fun to somebody so yeah i think the game's become like more more enjoyable it's got a lot of negative press though both like deservedly and i think undeservedly the launch was like abysmal atrocious like granted all modern multiplayer launches are terrible and that's a weird like sort of given that we have to like acknowledge but it was even worse than what is like uh, what the low standard that had already been set by some other games but it's more stable now aside from the fact that bastion has just been yeeted out of the game for the time being i haven't missed him (laughs) (laughs) now he's fine also like the lead up in marketing is just like so confusing i think everyone's in agreement that they're really like overwatch 2 is a dumb concept because it's the same game 
Like if they were going to make an Overwatch 2 that was a different game and like, like they maybe just left Overwatch 1 wherever it was and they're like, okay, Overwatch 2, you know, like a Call of Duty sort of situation mm-hmm. where there's a new game. I think that's dumb. Should just keep updating Overwatch 1. It's an Activision decision and I think they're becoming less focused on like sequelizing their franchises, but it's a, a universally or semi-universally condemned decision. Well, I was going to say it's sort of like, you know how they have like Destiny and then Destiny 2? But then they're like, yeah. Destiny 2 is it. Like, we're just going to keep, like, adding content to Destiny 2 instead of... Yeah. So, I don't know if that's what they're going to do with Overwatch 2. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why they did it in the first place. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. It do- it definitely doesn't make sense anymore. And it it almost barely didn't make sense when they decided to do it. Yeah. Which was, like, 2019, maybe, when Overwatch 2 was announced. I can't remember exactly, but... Yeah, it's been it's been a while, so yeah. I don't know. It's a dumb decision because, like, calling it Overwatch Two comes with a lot of expectations that the game is going to be different, and it is pretty much the same game. So, for like an outsider coming into it, it's like, what the heck? This is the same experience as Overwatch One, and they're not really wrong. It is pretty much the same thing. But if you're like more into the Overwatch scene, you definitely notice all the changes and tweaks that have been made. Mm-hmm. Also, like. As someone who followed the game, not like religiously going into Overwatch 2, but like enough that I shouldn't have been confused. I was very confused as to like what was coming with the game. It took me like, I think up until like a week before it launched or two weeks before it launched to be like, oh, there's no PVE. Like I totally thought there was going to be PVE in the game when it came out. Uh, Like I was like, that's the whole point of Overwatch 2. It's not there. That's weird. The whole marketing around this is just very abysmal. Yeah. And also what about the, do you remember the thing where it was like, oh yeah, level up your favorite heroes and then add like passive abilities to them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like what? I don't even... That was meant to be for the single player. Okay. They also had this whole thing where they're like, Overwatch 2 will be cross-compatible with Overwatch 1 and like you'll play it on the same... It's just like they said way too much before they like figured out what they were actually doing. Yeah. So it just... I got super confused. And that's all I have to say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one one small little uh, note that I want to make. Last episode I discussed there was uh, an exercise bike in my neighbor's like apartment that I thought was a creaky bed during sex. (laughs) Turns out it wasn't. It was an exercise bike. They moved out. They threw away their exercise bike and I ripped that bad boy out of the dumpster and now I have that exercise bike. You have the creaky sex bed exercise bike. (laughs) (laughs) The exercise bike. Yeah. The exercise bike. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in my possession. I felt like that's a little, you know, a little full circle thing that I just wanted to share with everyone. Yeah, so. now you get to creep out the new neighbors that move in. They're going to hear you on the sex bike. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, every day at 4.30 p.m., they're banging. <laughs> I, I'm going way faster than she was on this oh, thing. Oh, okay. So they're going to they're gonna be more confused. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, all, that's, all, that's all I have to say. I mean, do you have anything else that you've done this past month that you want to talk about? No, it's all been a haze. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> It has been. Yeah. It definitely has been. Um, And I didn't even get married. Right. So, all right, let's dive into uh, the topic at hand. Uh, uh, Agent 006, would you please tell me about the development of uh, James Bond 007 Nightfire? 
Uh, Roger that command. Um, James Bond 007 Nightfire was developed by Eurocom and published by Electronic Arts. Notably, this game features James Bond, who bears the likeness of the real-life actor at the time, Pierce Brosnan. Upon its release on November 18th, 2002, 007 Nightfire received generally favorable reviews. The Metacritic score for the PS2 version sits at around 77. The Xbox and GameCube versions are not too far off. And as far as, like, how this game is remembered today, it's definitely, uh, you know, thought of fondly in certain circles, but uh, the legacy definitely pales in comparison to James Bond's previous outing in video game form with uh, GoldenEye 007 on the Nintendo 64. So, yeah, kind of, uh, I would call this like a hidden gem of the PS2. Doesn't seem like too many people are really talking about it, and it's a pretty solid game all things considered. Uh, what is what is your experience with this game? Because I know that you've played it before or at least experienced it before. Yeah. So when I was a kid um, and like we, my dad uh, got our uh, PS2, I was like too young to play the games competently and be like any good. So he would play them and I would, and like, to be clear, he wouldn't just like take the controller away from me. Like I would ask him, I would be like, hey, can you play this game so I can watch it? And so like Friday nights after he got off work, uh, you know, we would get home and um, he would play like Ratchet and Clank or something like I asked him to. And then I would always like doze off next to him on the couch. And then I would wake up to the sound of uh, gunfire and the James Bond theme. Um, <laughs> so this was sort of like the game that he would put on um, like later at night, like after I had, you know, like I said, fallen asleep. Um, and because of that, the James Bond theme and this game are like so nostalgic to me because it gives me that the warm and fuzzies of like, oh, I'm just curled up on the couch next to my dad. So I remember uh, he played this one and another uh, PS2 James Bond game called Everything or Nothing, which we will get to eventually. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have to cover every single game that was released for the PS2. So yeah. we will, of course, get to that Every eventually. single one. <laughs> every single one. All 1,600 of them. Oh, jeez. Um, wait, yeah, 16, actually, is it, six, no, it's 1600, not 16,000. Oh, okay. Um, so we're good. We can do that. Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah. One month at a time. Uh -huh. We should finish by the time we're like 170. Right. Yeah, I also have like memories of just being like, dad, can you do this for me? Like, I just kind of want to watch this being played. It's yes. like an early let's play. Like, or, yeah, before hey, let's play plays this? were a thing. It was like. <laughs> yeah. We just watched our parents play the game better than us. Yes. So I have like a, I have like a distant memory of what I think was one of my older neighbors playing this game. Um, and it was either this game or the GoldenEye remake for the Wii. It was one of those two games. Maybe both of them. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's like the only experience that I have with uh, maybe not even experience with this game, right. but with the James Bond games in general. You just gaslit yourself into having experience with this game. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, how much of the game did you replay? Um, so I played through the entire campaign on the easiest difficulty. I tried, I tried the normal difficulty and I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. And then I didn't, um, at the like end of levels, it would be like, oh, you got this many like points or whatever. And I, I didn't go for like the highest level medals or platinums or i don't know what you want to call them yeah i have a similar experience i played through this entire game on the easiest difficulty over like the course of five hours the day before your wedding oh nice because uh, whenever i knew you were having your wedding i just like took off the thursday and friday just to be like i don't know what the plans are so i'm just gonna 
say, this is when I want to take off now, like, you know, three months ahead of time. Yeah. And I just forgot about it. And I was like, you know what? I'll just take this little day off, have some me time. That's nice. <laughs> me <laughs> Play time through is all nice. this campaign. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did. I just blasted through that in one day. It was a fun time. That's uh, that's all I have to say. Are you ready to get into the campaign recap? Oh, for, for sure. Game? Yeah. Okay. So general, you know, preface to the story of this game. It's actually a unique plot. It's not a retelling of a story from the films or anything like that, which is kind of what I assumed any James Bond game would be. And maybe some of them are like that, but this is a unique plot. I don't know if it's like canon in the James... I don't even know how James Bond lore Yeah, I don't works. even it know what's... Like how do you... Legend of Zelda or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Every plot is different, or it's like it's, unique, but the same at the same time. It's the same secret agent that's reincarnated over and over again for centuries. <laughs> Yeah, like I assume that because it has Pierce Brosnan, it's part of like a chain of movies. Like, yeah, part of his, or at least the movies are. I don't know if the, this game is. Yeah, but yeah, part of the Pierce Brosnan canon or exactly. whatever. I don't know. It's not voiced by Pierce Brosnan. It's some other guy. But uh, that didn't bother me at all because I don't know what Pierce Brosnan even sounds it was, like. It was a d- decent approximation. I was, yeah, I thought the voice acting was fine. It didn't throw me off. No. I mean, it's nothing like 006 voicing James Bond. Right. Yeah, howdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Shake and not stirred, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a fairly typical action movie. The hero foils the supervillain's master plan to destroy the world for some reason sort of affair. And it's pretty firmly in the background of the whole game. Like, me playing through the game, uh, just... The entire thing, all at once, not even broken up. I missed like everything. <laughs> yeah, like I knew, I knew there was some sort of thing with nukes going on, but then I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going from location to location, having fun. Yeah. So, so the gist that I got, and this gist did not even like click or even come together until I think towards the end of the game. There's like the villain just like gives a straight up gives a monologue where he explains everything. It's he like, does. Oh, okay. And so yes. basically, I think the villain, isn't his name Drake or something? His name is, what's his fault? Drake's his last name. Okay. It's like, uh, oh, I put it somewhere. Raphael Drake. Oh, good. Yep. Um, but so this Drake guy has like a public facing persona of being like anti-war, anti-nuclear weapons sort of dude. But secretly, he wants to use this space laser thing um, and I think maybe nuclear missiles to destroy like civilization on the earth just so that his single corporation can come in and take over the world and run everything. And in his little mm-hmm. spiel, he's like, he goes on about how like he's stronger than the communists and the fascists. So I guess he's sort of, I don't know, just some like ultimate capitalist. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I didn't really get it that much um so the speech you're referring to takes place on the second to last mission yeah and uh not to like spoil it because we'll try to like walk through the story beats if you have not played the game but it takes place like as you walk into like this big room with a bunch of enemies so you're probably just like blasting away as like this as like this key exposition is being delivered to you which i think is just like a really nice little like this is like how the game treats the story. It is. It's just like, 
firmly like, in the background, buried beneath a bunch of explosions and gunfire. I was going to say, it's like, what? Sorry, I couldn't hear you over all the murder and everything I was doing. <laughs> but it's fine. Like, it's it doesn't demand too much from you, which I think is exactly how a game like this should be treating its campaign. Yes. The story should be in the background. Yeah. Maybe you have, like, a couple twists. That's fine. Like, that's all you need. All right. So, you ready to get into the first level of the game? Yes. Uh, so, our first level uh, is called the Paris... Is it Prelude? Or is it Prelude? Pre- I always called it Prelude. Prelude? But I think it, it, de- I think it really depends on, like, your accent. Okay. <laughs> so, so <laughs> let me try that again. Our first level is called the Paris Prelude. Uh, set uh, during New Year's Eve in Paris, the mission starts with you as James Bond and a helicopter providing sniper support to French operative Dominique Paradis. Paradise? Paraditis. Paraditis. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. It's supposed to be Dominique Paradise, so do it that way you will. <laughs> Paradis? I think she's pretty much only referred to as Dominique. Dominique. A hot so, lady. That's yeah. all you need to know. Hot. That's all that matters. She's, she's smoking hot. Yep. Operative. There's quite a few smoking hot operatives in the game. Don't get them confused. Some of them look the same. Yes. All right. So this is, uh, it just throws you into the game if you don't have anything on your save file, I believe. I think that's how that works. I didn't have anything on my memory card, so it just plopped me right into this mission, which is pretty sweet. And because it's like an on-rail section for this like sniper section, um, it kind of like dictates the pace that's definitely a little played out, like we have that in Skyrim, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to throw you into the game on this on-rail segment, and then we're going to dictate the pace, kind of set things up. Before we rel- relinquish control to the player, we're going to kind of set the mood. And I think it definitely works in this sort of game. No loading screen, or I mean loading screens, but no like menu screens to get through before you jump in. So Yeah, I think it was I like it. it was good instead of having like a super long like opening cinematic, you just like feel like you're part of like everything that's going on like right off the bat. I think that mm-hmm. was good. Oh, by the way, before I forget, what did you think of the intro cinematic like music video thing with the guns mm-hmm. and the song and the fire and, and the song and the naked ladies? I don't actually think they were naked, but <laughs> probably just scantily clad. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I think every James Bond has like a song, right? Like, yes. Isn't that like a thing? Like, I I think so because well, I remember like Skyfall. The song for Skyfall was like a big hit. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's like, it's a unique like a, a written for the the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Usually, this I I also I didn't write it down, so I can't say this like super definitively, but I'm pretty sure I read that this was a unique song for this game as well. So oh, really? Kind of on the same level as these movies where it's like a unique plot and a special song for okay. it. Okay. So well, the song sounded neat. very 90s, so. <laughs> it, did, it definitely did. Yes. That felt very dated. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially in like that intro section, but. Yeah. It sets the mood, I suppose. But uh, yeah, so back to the prelude. Uh, in the second half of the mission, you drive through the streets of Paris in, um, is that MI6? M- That's MI6. MI6. In MI6. Not, uh, not M16. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not M16. Um, you drive through the streets of Paris in MI6's souped up Aston Martin, chasing down a truck carrying explosives. Uh, yeah. You have access to missiles, smokescreen, uh, and the ability to drive on two wheels and squeeze between cars to pull off all these crazy stunts. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a couple other moves, but I couldn't remember of them. Uh, I would say that this felt a little overwhelming yes. <laughs> to me at first, because like 
and not like not like it's oh I can't comprehend what's happening, but like it just like okay we're driving a car now. This wasn't what I was expecting, but uh, yeah, and I have like all these weird abilities. But well, yeah, and it's hard to mess up super bad. Yeah, there, I, I think there's like a like an operative like on the like comms with you that's telling you like hey use this gadget in this scenario like as mm-hmm. you need to use it. So it's not like. I don't know, but I still, like, during the driving segment, I was, like, running into walls and, like, missing turns and all this, like, crap that made me look, made James Bond look incredibly incompetent, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. But not what the game's I, going for. <laughs> I, I think there is just a level of, like, gathering your bearings whenever we jump back to, like, an older game like this. Yes. I don't know. Like, depending on the game, I was playing on a CRT, so everything's just kind of how it should be, I guess. Like, as far as feel and everything. But... I don't know. It's just like jumping to a different time period and you got to get used to like visual cues and stuff. Yes. I also ran into walls. So, <laughs> yeah. That's the intro. We make our, I think we just EMP the truck or something and it falls into the bridge and then we make out with Dominique because of course. Right. After the Paris prelude, we move on to the exchange. This is sort of the first like, it's, it's the first real mission. You play as Bond on the ground, uh, infiltrating a party in order to stop the exchange of a stolen piece of missile guidance hardware from the U.S. space weapons platform. The suspected buyer is the seemingly innocuous industrialist by the name of Raphael Drake. In the beginning of this mission, you have the freedom to approach the castle with stealth or go in guns blazing. I think we both chose the guns blazing approach. So I actually played this level twice um okay the first time i was like trying to get a feel for the game and i was also on normal difficulty and it was not going very well and that time i went the guns blazing approach the second time i accidentally bumbled into the stealth route (laughs) without knowing what i was doing i was just like oh Mm -hmm. all right i'm pretty sure i started out stealthy until like there was just one part where i got spotted so i was just like okay i'm gonna start blasting right Yeah, I watched a playthrough of someone who actually knows what they're doing, and there is, like, you know, alternate paths and routes and, like, special things you can do as James Bond. There's a lot of, like, really interesting mechanics as far as, like, you can sneak up behind someone, grab their gun, disarm them. Oh, wait, you can do that? Yeah. Oh. You can, like, (laughs) yoink their gun out of their hands, and then they turn around with their hands up, and then you just whack them. (laughs) Oh. There's a lot of really, like, uh, I don't know what the word, immersive sim type elements where it's just, like, you have a lot of cool gadgets and tools as James Bond. And I think one of the things that the game doesn't do super well is like really showing the player how to use them. They kind of just set them loose with a bunch of tools and you can ignore them or try to figure them out. This uh, first level is kind of like a, it's a little sandboxes and it doesn't really hold your hand necessarily. Uh, I got a little lost, and I know that you did too. Yes. (laughs) It wasn't anything super crazy. There was a couple times where I did have to look up a guide for different levels, but this one was mostly fine. Well, and also, I thought it was kind of funny. So, like, for, like, the infiltration part, you're basically, like, trying to get into the castle to, like, go to this party thing. And the part where we got lost, I think, was, like, in the outside, like, courtyards. As soon as you get in the castle, there's, like, literally only one way to go. Yeah, Which I thought was yeah. kind of funny. I think some of the geometry and stuff, like the castle architecture just kind of felt samey on the outside. Just yeah. kind of felt like big boxes and open spaces. So it was kind of hard to get my barons. Yes. I got lost in the later section of this level for sure. Oh yeah, that too. 
But yeah, after you, you know, dispatch the guards on the outside of the castle and stuff like that, you uh, switch into your party attire and uh, start posing as one of the guests. Um, here we are semi-introduced to a variety of gadgets because our weapons are taken away. Uh, we bust out our little, like, lighter, which doubles as a camera, and we're meant to go around taking some pictures, trying to identify people, so... Wait, we're supposed to... We were... Wait, what? I didn't do that. I th- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how, like, the cutscene where you see Raphael starts. You got your little camera out. I... I just walked up some stairs and went through a door, and then it was just going. And then it was going. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe you didn't have to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think the cutscene does start with you taking a pick, though. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, did you have a favorite gadget? We can discuss this now or later, I suppose, but... Um, the only thing that I, like, really used with any sort of consistency was the laser. Yeah. Because, like, you had to, kind of. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw some cool stuff where there were people, like, I think disarming, like, security systems and stuff using the laser to, like, open a panel yeah. and, like, cut a wire or Yeah, something. that's what I would use it for. Yeah. That was pretty pretty neat because i think that was mostly optional continuing with the mission sorry i'm gonna burp never mind um wait there we go (laughs) (laughs) um so continuing with the mission we rendezvous with dominique who is undercover as uh drake's girlfriend uh that felt childish but i don't know what else to call lover i don't know yeah um Yeah, and we're introduced to uh, another operative, Zoe Nightshade, which is a little too hardcore of a name, to be honest. All the women's names uh, in James Bond, it's like a thing where they're very on the nose, by the way. Okay. Um, in GoldenEye, uh, there was a woman whose last name was Onatop, and like you like learn her name, and they cut to the next scene, and she's literally having sex with the dude and is like on top of him. Okay. And like chokes him <laughs> to death or something. Just just so you know. That's like a thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Good. I don't know what she did that was nightshade-ish. Was she wearing purple or like black or anything? She was wearing, I think she was wearing red. She was the blonde. Okay. Lady. Red would also probably um, make sense. Nightshade is poisonous, I think. Okay. But uh, she's the American CIA agent. Also, after thoroughly macking on Dominique at the beginning of the scene, we see James Bond get flirtatious with Zoe as well. So Because why not? And the women don't seem to not? mind. No, the women are thro- hurling themselves yes. at this man throughout <laughs> the entire game. This James Bond, Uncanny Valley, or this Pierce Brosnan sort of like Uncanny Valley lookalike. They're just, they can't get enough of them. Right. Going forward from here, it's all guns blazing. You're just blasting your way through this party and stuff. Um, Zoe, who is also undercover, uh, gets found out as she's like trying to like lockpick her way into some place. And uh, yeah, we blast through party. Uh, in an attempt to save her. We make our escape on one of the cable cars leading to the castle, and uh, we take down a helicopter with a guided rocket launcher because that's what that's what super spies do. Because it's it's all about the subtlety, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, all about the subtlety when you're a spy. I also think during this boss fight, the game does not tell you, as far as I'm aware. I was also playing with like very quiet audio, so maybe I didn't hear it. It does not tell you, hey, by the way, you have a rocket launcher. So I was running around this little cable car with my little pistol. And I was bipping that <laughs> chopper with like what was basically a pea shooter and nothing was happening. And I was like, hmm. And then I swapped through my weapons and I was like, oh, there's a rocket launcher. I see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like this was one of the moments where I was like, this is not exactly what I imagined James Bond to be like. I was imagining mostly sneaking through places and like yes. using spy gadgets and not blowing up helicopters yeah with, i was gonna say especially this early into the game like yeah I, w- I would say it's like 40 percent 
subtlety, subterfuge, that sort of thing. And then okay. 60%, the wild, most wild ass stunts you've ever seen. Yeah. Which uh, I think has its place, but maybe, I don't know. It felt like it was a little more weighted to the wild aspects of it than I would prefer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have to agree. But I'm not like a James Bond super fan, so maybe it makes sense for what James Bond is. Right. But yeah, that uh, that ends this mission. Right. Um, so then we move on to Alpine Escape. Um, and this would be one of the few uh, purely vehicle-focused levels. So as you continue your escape from Drake's castle, you hijack one of his weaponized snowmobiles. I don't know why it's weaponized, uh, <laughs> but it is. Why not? Yeah. You need that to protect the castle. Yeah, you like hijack it in a garage. Like Zoe's like actively hijacking it. And I think you have to sit like on the turret and shoot dudes as they like try to shoot yeah. you. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there on, Zoe will drive down the mountain as you shoot. I wasn't personally a fan of the on-rails shooter levels. Anything that feels like a turret to me, I'm like, ew, no, I don't like that. And also there's this one part where you, like, you're going down the hill and I think you get on a road and there's like a, these like big, this big wooden gate. I missed the instructions that told me that I had to shoot the gate. So I just sat there like an idiot for 30 seconds outside the (laughs) gate, getting shot by like goons. And yeah, it, it was a good time. Yeah, I think, so you have ammo, like, you have an ammo counter on this, but yes. I don't think you can run out. Like, I was blasting the whole time. Oh, okay. <laughs> just indiscriminately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just, like, blasted the gate because, you know, I'm looking at it. So, I'm blasting anything I'm currently looking at. Well, yeah, don't, don't you have, like, a machine gun, but then also, were there rockets or am I crazy? I watched the video and there were rockets, okay. but I just used the machine gun. Okay. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more open to the idea of these on-rail sections, I think it provides, like, a nice moment of, like, catharsis <laughs> as you're, like, going through. Like, when they're not hard, like, it would be annoying as hell if, like, and actually we'll get to that later, but, like, if one of these vehicle missions was, like, actually difficult. Yes. It should kind of just, I want it to, I want these missions to feel short, but kind of, like, running through a patch of coins in Mario where it just feels nice. Yeah. Doesn't really add anything necessarily gameplay-wise, but just kind of fun to you know it's like okay i went through the section where i was sneaking around spying actually vulnerable and now i'm overpowered ridiculous blasting through everything yes yeah that can that can be satisfying yeah yeah i think this game we'll get into this later especially with one stretch of levels towards the end but it it dips into the uh vehicle levels a bit too much yes i think i think so um yeah the, there was like a sun uh sun <laughs> A fun set piece, I guess, if that's what you could call it, where you, like, smash through a lodge and there's, like, mm-hmm. you, like, drive by... There's, like, people sitting at the bar and you just drive by on a snowmobile and you're like, hey. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I like that part. I love stuff like that. Uh, it ends the snowmobile section with a crash through um, a freaking helicopter. Yes. Which uh, I thought felt an awful lot like a Call of Duty game. Yeah, and then my only... I think my only other, like, complaint about this level was the sensitivity felt way too low. Like, I wish I could have, mm-hmm. like whipped whipped the um machine gun around a bit faster did you mess around with any of the optional like controller settings i looked through the controller layouts and i think i ended up using nightfire for the whole game okay was that the one where you shoot with triggers um rb instead of bumpers or rb yeah yeah they had like a decent variety of like control options there was one of them it might have been nightfire that felt 
fairly modern, but I don't know if there was like sensitivity adjustments and stuff. There might have been, might have missed that, but I think it did feel just like a little clunky. There's just like some aspect of these early first person shooters that just feels sluggish. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I definitely feel that. Um, Moving on to the next mission um, after they make their way through their, you know, snowmobile little thingy, uh, Bond and Zoe take refuge in an inconspicuous shack for the night where it is very subtly implied that they banged. Doesn't she go like, oh, James. Like, I feel like that's... Yeah, she does. I don't know what she's... I think it was something like... um, Because, like, so they were in the shack next to a garage and uh, their escape car was just there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And she's like, why wouldn't we just leave? And she's like... And he's like, I thought you could use the rest. Oh. Or something. And I think she's like, well, I hardly got any rest with you. (laughs) Or something like that. So, you know, very, like, subtle. It's not many people probably picked up on the fact that they had sex. Oh, um, no. So, How yeah. could you? It's a very uncommon, actually, for a man as chivalrous as James Bond <laughs> to <laughs> partake in any sort of, you know, sexual activities on the job, nonetheless. So, uh, but yeah, you know, after that, you, uh, you know, get to drive around in James Bond's little sweet Aston Martin again. Uh, the ending arena area is fun i guess you have to like uh take out like a series of helicopters before you can be extracted and it's a little it's a short ish section but uh yeah what did you think of it yeah i wasn't expecting there to be like a car boss fight where it's like hey we're gonna put your car in a boss arena and you're gonna have these (laughs) rockets to take out these helicopters it was fine because it wasn't like it wasn't super difficult i think it was timed if i remember right or maybe i'm thinking Uh, something else maybe actually no I think there was a different one that was timed. But anyway, um, no, I was fine with this level. I just was like hoping after the on-rails shooter part, I was like, oh, but where's the Bond gameplay? Like I wanted to get back to like the sneaking and the shooting instead of like another vehicle thing. So I didn't realize it happened here as well, but I think this game does stack its vehicle sections in a way that is not really fun. Yeah. They should be like one-offs to break up the gameplay instead of like clumped up together yes uh so we had like the on rail section and then we can do the vehicle level i think those should be considered like separate from the core gameplay and should be used sparingly and not together ever yeah so yeah i definitely i definitely feel that um so for our next level we have double cross uh in this level we are sent to retrieve alexander mayhew the man who is handing over the missile guidance system to drake at his party uh, Mayhew suspects retaliation from Drake for the deal gone sideways and is willing to disclose information on Drake's nightfire plan with MI6 in exchange for his safety. Um, so as Mayhew suspected, Drake did send men to kill him uh, with the help of Mayhew's bodyguard, Kiko Hayashi. You set out yeah. to escort Mayhew to safety. I thought this was one of the most memorable combat sections in the game. It's not really, I don't think there's any stealth element to it. Actually, I think they're is optional stealth, but it was guns blazing for me all the way. Uh, It's just like a really memorable setting, I think. It's kind of like a generic sort of like Japanese, like screen doors and stuff like that, like wood panel floors and stuff. Yeah. So, well, and like the backdrop in the gardens. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sweet. I guess to make you feel like a ninja. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like Yakuza members who are attacking you, which is pretty sweet. Yes. Um, As soon as I got... Do you remember when I texted you and I was like, oh, I'm playing this game like it's Doom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I got my hands on the shotgun, it turned into like a Doom level for me. (laughs) 
oh, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like strafing and hopping around. I was like one-shotting everybody and everything. The combat definitely started to click around this section for me. Yeah. And it's probably, they want you to be blazing through this first part at the very least because it just like kicks off right after the cutscene ends and it's like, you know, blasting your way through. You get the shotgun from somebody or you have it on you. I don't remember, but yeah, it's it's very fast-paced and fun. Yeah. Um, this level also tries to like take advantage of it being like nighttime and it tries to do like a, a thing with like, oh, it's too dark outside for you to see the bad guys here. Put on your super cool spy shades so you can see the bad guys better. I, I didn't have to do that. I could see them anyway. And when I put on the shades, oh, you... it didn't seem to do anything. So, okay. Um, so yeah, this is actually something I had to do on a CRT. Okay. Um, because, well, first of all, let me preface this by saying, I think my, my CRT needs like some settings adjusted because there's like games are too black, if that makes sense. Like okay. the dark grays turn into blacks mm-hmm. a lot in on on my crt but um crts have like a really deep black level that means that like like you have a wider dynamic range between like absolute white and basically nothing because i think it can individually turn off like you know certain pixels mm-hmm. so it gets really dark <laughs> um whenever i was playing it through my retro tank on like an actual monitor much easier to see everybody didn't really need the glasses but on a CRT, it's kind of a necessity based off the hardware. So interesting. Were the glasses settings not working for you? Because you have like a night vision and like a like a thermal sort of like so, view option. Yeah. So I well, part of the problem was by the time I figured out there was well, I didn't really I didn't know what each mode was supposed to do. Um, I think I used the blue mode to try and like see people but like i said i could already kind of see them anyway so it didn't like add anything to anything (laughs) okay at first whenever you wrote that down i thought that you meant that there was like an issue with the glasses not really showing no no okay there is um like an objective in this level where it says hey uh you have to find and open the dragon safe to get like i don't even remember what was in this in the safe or whatever but the game calls it a safe but what they mean is a random ass dragon shaped statue that's like sitting on a shelf. And I Mm -hmm. just like so happened to like walk past it and see like the interact prompt. And I'm glad I did because if I didn't, I there's like, I would have been like walking around looking for a box and there's no way I would have found it. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I had to look this one up, but whenever uh, Mayhew gives you this little like key or whatever, he's like, feed it to the dragon. And Uh, the dragon uh so okay yeah, that's but i totally missed this i just like i think i just was like tuning out yeah, I know. The, story. the first time i played i was just like focused on gameplay right. exclusively or something i had to look that one up okay um so for the section where you have to like save his workers uh you get hit on pretty heavily which is pretty funny right uh, by like, it was these around traumatized this point, women yeah they're just like they were about to be murdered or whatever right and they're like oh my god i'm I'm so horny all of a sudden. Oh, a hot man. <laughs> a hot man has come to save me. Oh, how, how wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I love how he's just, he's like talking to this person from the first time. They say like two sentences and they're making out. Right. It's just like so over the top. It is. <laughs> Which is what I expected. That's what I've been told about James Bond. Yes. But. The woman, womanizer supreme, I guess. Exactly. Um. So right before you're able to take Mayhew to the escape vehicle, 
An assassin jumps down from the roof of a nearby building and slashes Mayhew with a katana. Yeah. Uh, Mayhew dies. Who's, who saw that coming? How could this happen? Um, and then your objective is to kill the assassin. Yeah, so your boss fight, your boss fight with the ulting Genji is a little difficult. Um, but I kind of just like threw literally everything I had at him and he died. Yeah, so I was going to say, I just like backpedaled with the shotgun and I, I didn't have any problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think... Did I have a sniper? I can't remember. But yeah, it was either the sniper or the shotgun and he just, he died. So I thought it was neat. Felt a little out of nowhere, but I was down for it. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's a cyborg ninja all of a sudden. And also I was surprised to have like a boss fight. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think most shooters struggle with boss fights, but uh, cyborg ninja is a pretty creative one. So that concludes double cross. The next mission is entitled night shift. So in pay, uh, not, not pay Hughes. <laughs> in Mayhew's dying moments, he points us towards a building in Tokyo that Drake owns that contains uh, some incriminating information on Nightfire. Uh, the first part of this mission sees you sneaking through offices and avoiding or stunning any guards that you come across. This is more in line with like what I expected the gameplay mm -hmm. of James Bond to be like a super spy trying to like infiltrate a building and, you know, get out without really alerting anybody. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to feel about the stealth challenge in this level something about it and i don't really know what had me feeling kind of like a little bored like just not very engaged um mm -hmm. it might have been because i was on the lowest difficulty because i think they might reduce like the amount of enemies on lower difficulties potentially i felt like the level itself would have benefited a lot from like modern technology like there were a lot of like boring gray textures and like blocky, like big, empty, blocky rooms. So, yeah, I found that kind of eh. I think um, there's a level similar to this mm -hmm. uh, later on, but I think that one's more guns blazing if I remember right. I enjoyed this one. This is probably one of my, one of my like most, I think one of the most memorable missions. Yeah. At least in my opinion, because like there's a couple good opportunities to use your like spy gadgets to like climb through a vent and stuff like that. Which is all fun. That's kind of like what I think is the most fun about the game is like whenever you have a fun or creative way to use uh, any of your spy gear. Oh, yeah. Th this was the first level, I think, where I had to pull up a guide. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. There, there's like this door with a keypad, right? And you can interact with the keypad and start like putting in numbers for like the code. What you're supposed to do is use your like decryptor gadget to decrypt the code. And then it will automatically put in the code and open the door. And I was like, well, if mm -hmm. you want me to, then why could I interact with the keypad and put in numbers if I don't know the code? I also had to look up just to see like, how and how, how do you use this thing? Right. Like, I think I knew you had to use the decoder, but like, it takes a second to get going and it made me think it wasn't working. Oh yeah. Like you have to stand there for a hot second while it does its little mm -hmm. decoding thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, the mission ends with your cover being blown. You fight some of Drake's men jump off the skyscraper to your parachute to your safety of course you land on like uh this car with two girls in it and you just like say sorry to drop in like this uh would you mind would you ladies mind giving me a ride and then they just giggle wildly it's pretty funny yeah they're like oh look at oh a random stranger that smashed into the roof of our car like that's not like yeah. the wildest thing they've ever seen in their life i think it literally ends like that it's yes. like hey <laughs> it does would you mind giving me a ride and then it's just like it feels like a man doing an impression of a woman laughing, but like a woman actually doing it. 
Uh, and it's, it's like super exaggerated. It's, fun. it's funny stuff. Well, and also, if you have like international bad guys on your tail, as a super spy, wouldn't it be super irresponsible to like have civilians like cart you around? Because then they could get like caught <laughs> up and like so. murdered in it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Also, just the idea that like he parachuted to safety. Yeah. They lost him. That's it. Right. <laughs> He's riding around in someone's car. Just, you know. yeah. Um, so the next level is called chain reaction. Uh, the information you recovered in the previous mission points towards an abandoned nuclear power plant in Japan, which has become the base of operations for Drake's Nightfire plan. Uh, in the first section of this mission, you're tasked with infiltrating the base. However, there are dozens of snipers scattered along the rooftops. I think this was one of my favorite levels in the game, just because it was kind of fun and satisfying to like spot the other snipers and then uh, mm -hmm. kill them. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, I think from like discourse I've heard about this game, a lot of people point to this as being like one of the most memorable missions. Yes. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense. It's just like very like, the, it's always fun in a shooter to have like a really good sniper mission. Yes. Like where it's a little slow and plotting and you just gotta like spot these men and take them out. It's fun stuff. Yes. Um, there was... So, like, wh basically what you're doing, I think, is you're moving from these warehouses and sort of, like, gathering evidence uh, for, like, what Drake is doing. And you use the camera gadget to, like, take pictures of some of his um, experimental technology or whatever. But there was this part where you had to use... Uh, do you remember, like, I think it was to get into the third warehouse and there were, like, these, like, zip lines, like, cranes. Yeah. And you had to... I got stuck there because I couldn't figure out... Because it's not, like, super obvious... Where to go? I remember like piddling around for a while until I hopped on that really obnoxiously long zip line yes. that you had to like shimmy across. Right. And I also, I think I died like twice because the snipers in that level are actually like really well hidden <laughs> or in that area. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not like, a, you don't see like a cone of vision or like a spotlight or anything to spot them out. You just kind of have to identify them from like their silhouette on a rooftop or what have you. Yes. I don't know if that's like too unforgiving to the player, but I think it felt fun. So, yeah, I mean, it, there was something satisfying about like, even after I died, like, oh, well, I already know where all these guys are. So I'll snipe them first and then, you know, take my time trying to find the others that killed me last time like that. It was OK. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't mind it. I liked it. So the mission ends with you and uh, Kiko escaping in a helicopter where she betrays you. Surprise. And drugs yeah, you. That was surprising. Yeah. Of course. Yes. The one woman that would not have sex with me. Right. Um, <laughs> and then it's revealed that she was working with Drake the whole time. Yeah, that leads in directly to the next mission, Phoenix Fire. This mission opens with Bond, Drake, Dominique, and Kiko sitting around a table on top of the skyscraper in Tokyo. Drake reveals that he knows that Dominique is a spy, and then a brawl ensues, and she freaking gets knocked off the building and falls to her death, which is a little she dies? shocking. I thought I missed that. No, she she did. Oh now. my gosh! Um, but she doesn't like you. Don't like see her like dead or anything. You just kind of see her falling off the building and screaming. And I was like, oh, she's probably fine. <laughs> and then she never comes back. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Bond is forced to just blast his way through the building to escape. It's another like, you know, combat focus section. I think, I think this one starts you off with like a really limited like set of weapons, right? Like I think you just have like a pistol. I believe so. And yeah. it's like, okay, here now go scrounge around for like more weapons that are, you know, more effective than just this little pistol. Um, I thought yeah, that was yeah. fun. It was a good, um, a good increase in 
a good difficulty spike. Yeah, some of the, if I remember right, some of the weapons you can find on this one are pretty, like, fun as well. Like, you start getting access to more powerful, sorry, <laughs> powerful weapons, like automatic rifles and stuff like that. Yes. Um, I really liked the uh, elevator shaft section where you're, like, trying to, like, defuse bombs as they're, like, falling on you and stuff. That one's pretty fun because you, like, bust out the watch and, like, zap them. Yes. That was fun, but it also freaked me out because I couldn't tell when they were disabled. Because, like, they were still, like, flashing numbers on the screen. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, are they going to blow up or are they good? Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't tell. Um, yeah, like, the countdown just gets all jumbled. Yeah. Yes. There were also these, like, little mini turret things in briefcases that you could, like, sit down on the floor that the enemies mm -hmm. also had planted on the floor. They were called Phoenix something. I don't remember what. I just called them Torb turrets. Okay. Well, they shredded my ass a few times. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then... They're terrifying. Yeah, I had a walkthrough pulled up just because the layout for this one... Um, th this is the same uh, skyscraper that was in um, Night Shift, to be clear. I believe, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, pretty yeah. sure it was. And this was the first time where I ever used grenades in the game because they're really handy for destroying the Phoenix, the Torb turrets, whatever um, you want to call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, it, like, once I started using the grenades, I was like, oh, these are really handy. Like, <laughs> like what other handy things have I just been, like, not using? Because I just don't know any better. I legitimately did not use the, um, like, grenades until the last mission where you can use the grenades. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, that's pr pretty dang useful, yeah. those grenades. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, after we fight our way through the building, we get to the ground floor uh, we're rescued by a new character who looks an awful lot like the previous uh, Zoe character called Alora McCall, uh, an Australian operative uh, who's blonde and has probably the exact same model. Yeah, but, as like Nightshade, Zoe Nightshade or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. you know, um, they killed Dominique, so they have to give you a new lady to smooch on. To smooch on, exactly. Yeah. Bond must have at least two women or else he gets, you know, erased. His lips get chapped. <laughs> yeah, his lips get chapped. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he can't focus on the mission without two right. women. <laughs> One for each arm. So, <laughs> but anyway, Bond and McCall, you know, they drive away, make their escape. Bond shows the teensiest tiny bit of emotion over Dominique's death. And then he's right back in the game. How does, so. what does he do? Like, how does he show emotion? Is he just... Um, McCall, McCall's like, oh, talkative one, aren't you? And he's like, sorry, it's been a tough night. Lost oh, a friend. Yeah. I didn't even, like, I remember hearing that voice line and I didn't even pick up on what it meant. I was like, why are you so pissed off? Like, <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how that mission ends. So, for Deep Descent, uh, to reach Drake's Island, Bond and McCall take MI6's Aston Martin underwater in a very frustrating water level. Mm -hmm. For some reason, uh, this is actually an issue with the next level as well. There's no checkpoints anywhere if you die at any point you go back to the beginning of the level and it's not a particularly short level so i died like two or three times at the at the like very end of the mission because you can just get like one shot i think by this submarine yes <laughs> uh and then you just got to do the whole goddamn mission over again and it's a yeah it's yeah. it's a it's a pain it is a pain yeah so this this was where i started because i was playing on an emulator this is where i started save states coming <laughs> And what I did, what I ended up doing for the submarine uh, boss fight was this level introduces like a guided, well, it doesn't introduce because I guess you had him in the, the helicopter boss fight at the end of the first level or whatever. First re yeah. mission, yeah. Um, but the Aston Martin has guided rockets um, 
and I hid behind one of the subs that you're supposed to blow up and shot the boss sub with guided rockets until it exploded. I, I looked up someone beating the mission and I was like, okay, I'm going to implement this strategy now because that's what they also yes. did. <laughs> Much easier if you so, do it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say about this mission is that it kind of sucks. Yeah, just from a lack of you're kind of checkpoints. Yeah, you're mostly like, the most most of the time is spent like navigating through these mines, which is a little enjoyable, I think. But like the the dying and going back to the beginning part was like, Okay, this sucks. Oh, I also couldn't figure out. So it says like, oh, hey, watch out for the mines because if you run into them, it could cause it could cause a cave-in. And me being a dumbass, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shoot them all and blow them all up. Uh, don't do that because you will cause a cave-in. <laughs> so I, I died to that like three different times before I was like, hey, maybe I just need to drive around them. That sounds like something 006 would. Be. Yes. <laughs> Y'all don't worry about this. I got my rocket launcher. What's that? There's mines? I'll get them. <laughs> I'll get All them. Right. But anyway, yeah. So from this um, level, uh, you discover and disarm some of Drake's nuclear missiles and arrive on the shore of his island. And that brings us to Island Infiltration, the next mission. Uh, this is just an onslaught of different vehicle levels, basically, all tied up into yes. one. So combined with the previous vehicle level, it's just like four vehicles back to back, which is just... Too much. Ins insufferable, some yes. would say. <laughs> yeah, so the first part of this mission sees uh, Bond and McCall driving around in an armored, weaponized SUV, uh, fighting off turrets and other enemy vehicles that are scattered throughout the island as they make their way to, like, this airport section. Uh, on top of just dying often and being bad at the game, I ran into a lot of bugs with this section, with, like, my vehicle getting, like, stuck in bridges and all kinds of weird stuff. Oh. Uh, the, the bridge one was annoying. It was like as that one bridge was deploying that you have to like open. Okay. I think, I don't remember, but you deploy a bridge. My wheel got stuck in it because I like ran off just like a little bit too early and I was like, I guess I got to restart. I'm just stuck here. <laughs> Can't move. <laughs> yeah. I had a hard time. There's like something you have to do like right at the beginning where I think you have to like go to a big satellite dish and download a code and then use the code to yeah. get through the gates. I couldn't figure out how to download the code. Like that took me a mm -hmm. hot second to figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I remember that section too being like a little, little strange. It, I started yeah. shooting stuff that just didn't blow up at right. first. I was like, okay. Um, and then at the end of like the SUV section, there's a boss fight where you have a big turret and then you have two other cars they have like rocket launchers or something and they all just immediately like swarm you and start shooting yep. at you. And it was so stupid and it felt so unfair because it's like, okay, they just like throw you in it and you have like no like good way to get a shot lined up. So my health mm -hmm. bar got like obliterated. Yeah, my health bar was already kind of low coming into this section, but uh, apparently there's like a little secret path where you can go get some armor for your vehicle. Oh, okay. Which is cool. Yeah. You know? I saw that in the in one of the videos I watched, but yeah, I uh, first time I did this, I made it through barely alive, and uh, going into the second section of this mission, uh, you're on like an on-rail shooting segment where McCall is flying a jet, and you're just like shooting stuff. For some reason, you keep the health that you had throughout yes. the other section. Oh, that pissed me off. That made me so mad. Yeah, we both ran into that. Yeah. yeah. I died like a second into the, the mission. Yeah. It was so low. Yeah. It, it, it was like, okay, listen, you gave me, I had an SUV. I had, that was, a, that is a separate vehicle. You gave me this whole other jet 
and it's not even the same vehicle. Why would you like make me keep the same health bar? It makes no sense. That's probably a mistake, right? Like I have to assume that's a mistake or like an oversight in some capacity. Yeah, I don't know. It feels so stupid it couldn't be intentional. Right. Um, So I think because of the fact that I I was also safe states coming for this, so I was like bound and determined to finish the jet section on the crappy low health bar from the SUV section. Yeah. So uh, because of this jet section, this is my least favorite level in the entire game. I hate it. I think that's a fair thing to levy at this level because it kind of it's kind of doo-doo especially like just this whole stretch of the game is like i don't know how long it takes but it's like on rail sections and just slow vehicles and it's like uh like i said earlier it makes more sense to like dole these out you know piece by piece throughout the game instead of just clumped up all together here we're going from uh submarine suv jet and we end on like a turret for like a brief second and like you know half of those are just like on rail sections where it will take a set amount of time and you can't do it faster or slower right and it's like ah uh, it's it's a it's a pain they all have bad checkpoints i mean but that that concludes this horrible section we get one last like sort of open gunning section in the next level right uh so the next level is called uh countdown uh so in the first part of this level bond and mccall infiltrate drake's command center oh yeah um, so you start this level with a crossbow for some reason, just pulls it out of his ass, I guess. I know. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Cause like before yeah. when, when you were trying to do like the, like sneaky infiltration stuff, you had like this little dart gun mm-hmm. and then now it's like, oh no, we're going to give you a whole ass crossbow. And it's like, okay. I guess because you weren't trying to kill the night guards, uh, they weren't like in on it. So you weren't trying to kill them. Okay. That makes sense. But these people, these people are disposable. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you have this sweet crossbow to start the level. Because uh, you start out stealth, you probably don't remain stealth, assuming you're not amazing at the game like us. I think you can do most of it without ever going guns blazing, but I think there's a point where it kicks off and you got to just start blasting fools. You can use the crossbow for a little bit, which is uh, pretty sweet. There's a lot of really fun weapons in this mission. Uh, there's like a laser beam weapon. I think it's called like Phoenix. I think it's called like Phoenix Rising or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, that one's pretty fun. You have like a really overpowered like assault rifle thing too. Oh yeah, um, with the crazy like red red sights on it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty fun. So about halfway through this one, um, there's like a boss fight with a black guy with a messed up face. I had no idea mm-hmm. who he was. <laughs> so um, and he was like mad about it. He was like, "I'm going to get James back for what he did to my face." And it's like, "What did I do to your face for the makeover he gave me?" Yeah. yeah, he was the he was the pilot of the helicopter in the first mission. <laughs> he was well not the first mission the the one that you shot down oh okay <laughs> he's also like a butler at the party and stuff oh i just okay <laughs> yeah that's, well, he uh, really hung on to that grudge i done forgot already that's funny i i'm with you i didn't pick on, up on that the first time but watching it through i was like oh it's the guy <laughs> yeah so so during that boss fight with him i sort of felt like the boss fights in this game kind of feel like whatever because he's a dude in a hallway that acts just like all the other dudes in the hallway but had more health yeah and so it wasn't particularly like challenging to deal with him i think he threw like a grenade at me and i was like oh that's different i haven't seen that happen before (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure he's more menacing on like a higher level probably yes but yeah not not particularly threatening on the lowest baby mode that we played on (laughs) 
Right. I watched a walkthrough of someone who actually like knows how to use the gadgets and stuff in the game. And uh, this was another level where there's just like some really cool like secret routes that you can take to like make your way through using the vents and stuff. It's pretty sweet. Oh. Uh, at the beginning of this final section, we mentioned this earlier, but Drake is revealing his master plan over the intercom and you're just like blasting your way through it, which is pretty funny. Yes. Uh, so Drake is beginning to launch shuttles to the U.S. space defense platform. In trying to board one of these shuttles, Bond is dropped down to the maintenance area below the rockets by Kiko. And then uh, from here, you have to fight off Kiko and other enemies while avoiding the periodic blast of the launching rockets. It mm-hmm. took me a few tries to figure out that I had to get in the little rooms before the doors closed. <laughs> so I got fried several times. Yeah, yeah. You have a very generous amount of time to figure out what to do the first the first time you go in there. Yes. So I walked into the room and then nothing happened. So I was like, must be some other place I got to go. Yes. Because I was expecting like a cutscene to kick it or something, but you just got to wait it out. Right. So. Yeah. No, that's yeah. exactly what I was doing. Like I walked in the room and I was like, huh, well, this doesn't feel like a, a very good place to hide because it's kind of like, it's not that far back in there, but the doors like, the doors don't start closing until I think you're like eight seconds into the countdown or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I figured it out. Well, no, I think I looked up a guide because I was like, I don't know what's happening. I started safe states coming again because, you know, um, <laughs> but then um, eventually you um, defeat Kiriko by, I think you climb up into the last shuttle that's taking off and she gets like burned alive. And I was like, that's incredibly violent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So what happens is um, she obviously like you're trying to enter the shuttle and she like drops the loading platform. So you fall down beneath. And as she's trying to board that last shuttle, yes, you sneak up behind her and do the same thing to her. Yes. And she gets freaking eviscerated. Right. Um, as you, you know, you're putting on your little silly space outfit. And yeah. you're like, I'm rising to the occasion, which is just... That is another... Puns are another, um, at least Pierce Brosnan era James Bond thing, just so you know. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, it, that's it, to it, be expected. It made me laugh because of how cheesy it felt. Yeah. Like I was I was on board for that. I yeah. wasn't like rolling my eyes or anything. I just thought it was kind of ridiculous and funny. <laughs> like it just cuts from, you know, fairly brutal death to Pierce Brosnan making a haha. Right. <laughs> so that leads us to the last mission of the game, Equinox. Uh it's a fight in space, which is kind of funny because that's like a that's like a meme from like a Call of Duty campaign that like where will this go? I don't know. Space? Like, yeah. Which is kind Night of funny that this game has already done that. it, Scrubs. Honestly, this game felt a lot like a Call of Duty campaign, like yeah. a modern Call of Duty campaign. But yeah, this is a pretty straightforward last mission. It's uh, pretty much just one area. You have, you're in like zero gravity, so you can kind of move in all directions, which felt fine to me. It didn't feel like too disorienting in any sense. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically just like surviving and like destroying like uh, these... What are they called? Like launch couplings. As Drake is trying to like launch the missiles, you got to like destroy them as they open up or something. Right. Yeah. And exactly. you're just like fighting off an onslaught of enemies as they pop out trying to stop you. And uh, once you finish that, everything starts blowing up and you have to fight the big bad man himself in his silly little space outfit as you're flying around. I think for me, he died after like three shots and I was like, oh. <laughs> it doesn't take too much. He's just a man. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't feel very strong. I didn't realize that I was fighting him until like a little bit after. Oh, he has a different color astronaut suit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it was him, yeah. but like it took a while to realize that I was going to have to fight him. Oh, like, I'm like, oh he's he's dead. <laughs> yeah. But no, he just like slowly floats his way towards you. It's like, I'm going to get you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but it ends with Bond taking a little skate pod back to Earth. He uh, bangs the Australian lady while he's in his car under the ocean which is pretty insane hats off to this mad lad <laughs> yeah i think he says something about like oh we'll let we'll let autopilot be the designated driver and then they recline back in their seats and then you hear oh james yeah and it's, it's like okay <laughs> and uh yeah that's how it ends well actually that's not exactly how it ends before it cuts to uh like the credits rolling we get a short but sweet little behind the scenes documentary oh yeah i love that that's fantastic. I This feels like a thing from this era specifically, and maybe going into like the PS3, uh, Xbox 360 era, like towards the beginning of it, we still had things like this. Mm-hmm. It's so like down to earth and makes me feel like, oh, my game was made by people. Yes. And I really love that. I do too. Uh, fortunately, not much of a thing anymore. Any overall thoughts that you had on the campaign as a at large? Um, I definitely felt like the strongest levels were the ones that were focused on like stealthing around his bond to like basically anything that wasn't a vehicle level (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i agree the um i know that you didn't particularly like this stealth mission but the um what was it night shift i really like night shift that chain of levels from well i guess it's broken up by two vehicle levels but like the first real mission where you're walking around the party going into double cross with it's like all action basically and then in a night shift and then in a chain reaction that's a really good run of levels it is it is very good yeah that's like a chain of like on foot you know normal levels right Maybe those could have been broken up with, like, the vehicle missions. I don't know. This game is extremely short, but at the same time, some of those vehicle missions with, like, the really bad checkpoints and, like, the on-rail sections just kind of felt like padding to me. Mm-hmm. And this game is really, like, a blast to play through. And I don't yes. know why they needed to, like, tone it down. Like, oh, we can't. This needs to be, like, five hours instead of, like, two or three. And it's like, ah. Maybe it could have been two or three hours. Like, I'm personally now way more open to really short games than I think maybe the general audience of gaming was at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, if anything, well, so, like, once you complete all the levels, you can still go back and play, like, any which level you want. So, it might be worth just, like, doing, like, a run-through of the of the game and, like, unlocking all the levels and then doing, like, a second run-through where you just skip the vehicle crap and just yeah. try to explore and experiment with like all the weapons and gadgets and pathways and stuff in Mm -hmm. like the on foot levels. I personally do not feel compelled at all to like revisit the vehicle levels. No. So if I was playing this game again, it would, it would just be the, the actual like real section of the game. Yes. Yeah. So one thing that we can just, we really can only touch on because we didn't really get to experience it uh, is the multiplayer. This game has a pretty like, a fairly extensive set of like couch co-op versus AI and stuff like that. Uh, multiplayer modes, which a lot of people really enjoyed. And I played just like a little bit of it against AI because uh, I didn't have anyone to play it with. But it seemed pretty good. But I can't really speak to like that aspect of the game super heavily. Did you check out the multiplayer at all? No, I didn't. I just did the cam- the campaign. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's mostly... I don't know if it's straight up locations from the campaign or if it's like modified and like themed after. Okay. But like I could see certain areas in the campaign acting as like multiplayer maps. Mm -hmm. Seems like a fun time. 
I think each character has like little like quirks to them and stuff. Like I believe odd job is shorter than everyone else. And like certain characters have more health. So oh, it's like a little okay. bit like a class hero based. shooter overwatch. No, yeah, it's, it's a hero shooter. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, seems fun, but more of a time and place thing that we didn't really get to experience. Right. Moving on to like general thoughts on the mechanics. For me, I felt like this game wasn't too bad to like get used to. It still definitely had that like sluggish sort of early 2000s first person shooter on console feel to it. Yes. I thought it was interesting how there was, you know, like to aim. I think you could hold like LB to get like a more like, uh, what would you call that? Like a fine tune on your aim, I guess. Yeah, but you stand still, right? Isn't that You can the... move from side to side. Uh, okay. So I used yeah, it quite straight. a bit yeah, yeah. to like try and get a, like a quick snap headshot while I was like frantically moving from side to side if I had like low health or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would usually work. So like that side to side, uh, like you move your cursor around the screen sort of mode. Yes. That's kind of reminiscent of like GoldenEye on the N64 okay. where you had to, you had one analog stick, so you had to choose between moving and aiming. Oh boy. Uh, so you would like stand still and actually aim. Oh no. But uh, that's what that felt like to me. Okay. I think the the variety of like control schemes that the game gives you, there's definitely something that will make sense to your brain if you try to play this game today. Mm-hmm. It just may not feel super snappy or responsive like you might want it to feel. I think um, the most interesting aspect of the game's mechanics is like the interaction between like the world and the various gadgets that you have. Yes. So like exploring like side paths and like taking down objectives and like interesting ways, all stuff that you can do through the gadgets. That's like where the main sort of like replay value I think comes from. That kind of reminds me of like Hitman in a way. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like a very rudimentary Hitman. (laughs) And I think a game that was more focused on like, you know, a sandbox level where you start out stealth and you can kind of approach it however you want. You can like be all stealthy. You can, you know, use your gadgets to get through. You could probably do like nonviolent or something like that. That sounds really appealing to me, but it's not entirely what this game is. So, yeah. Anything else to say about the mechanics? Um, Did you get any of those... You know how you would like do a certain, I don't know, like stunt or like complete a certain task and it would do like the 007 thing would like flash on screen? Yes. I don't yes. really know what that did though. Yeah, I think it was literally just for flair. Okay. <laughs> like, would it give you like some... extra like points or whatever at the end? Oh, you know what? It probably did give you more points. Okay. Like, I could see that. But like uh, I wrote this down in the aesthetic section, but like whenever you're whenever you do one of those james bondy like activities and it's it just feels like so canny yes like how it just like like i could do with the sound cue but like when the when the little logo pops up on screen and spins around like an early 2000s graphic yeah it's like oh i guess it wasn't that cool (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's uh that's definitely more of an outdated section of the game's visual design like yeah. A lot of things this game does, I think, are ahead of its time, in a sense. But that is definitely of its time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, the, the point system for, like, you know, like, you get, oh, you finish yeah, the level, yeah. and it's like, here are your points. And it's like, uh, okay, why? That's a straight, that's definitely something that we've left behind. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Moving on to the map design, I think that a lot of the non-vehicle levels were all, like, very open sandboxy and allowed for a lot of, like, player choice and stuff and how to approach objectives. For the most part, there's some where it's like, hey, you're you're combat-focused right now. It's not stealth. Stealth is not really an option. And that's fine. I think juggling those two types of levels is probably the key aspect of creating a James Bond game, like a good James Bond game. And it does it decently. 
Um, I think the real issue was just the overabundance of like the vehicle and on rail section. Yes. Of the game, so um, also like one of the things. Do you think this game benefits from not having like objective markers? I think if this game came out today, it would have objective markers. Yeah. There were just like occasional things that were like a little too difficult. For the most part, you're kind of railroaded by like, it's open-ended levels, but like eventually you're going to find this big old door that looks different or this keypad or this, this computer that's like a different color than all the other ones. Right. So it's not the worst, but I think there were definitely a couple of moments where I'm just like, I don't know where to go. Right. I need to, I need to look this up. Yeah. So it's like, it's passable, but I think objective markers would definitely help. Yeah, for the, um, there there was like an objective section of like the menu where you could go like hover over your current objective and like hit X for like a hint or something. Yeah. The hints were not always the most helpful thing in the world. <laughs> no, not particularly no. at all. I think I did that whenever I was trying to find the dragon statue and it was like, feed the dragon. I don't know what it said, but it wasn't helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, can I get like a left or like, hey, go left or like, go, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, look for this thing and then you'll know you're there and it's like, oh, okay. I can do that. <laughs> Here's a picture of it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, moving on to the uh, general sort of aesthetic choices that this game makes. Uh, we already touched on the like James Bondy logo that appears, but I think that for the most part, playing this game on an emulator, at least what I saw from like an emulator game, mm -hmm. it looks decent. Like it, yeah, I was it holds say. up pretty well. Yeah. It's definitely playable. I mean, nothing, you can nothing like too obnoxious. You can kind of see the polygons that your guys are made of, but it's not like that oh, bad. Yeah, yeah. It's not horrible. Yeah. I don't know if this falls under like an aesthetic choice, but like I feel like the the models for all the ladies were so like copy and paste. Yes. <laughs> like everyone looked the same. I could only determine based on hair color basically <laughs> which woman was which woman was which. Yeah. yeah. They all have the same body type, skin type yeah. clothing. Similar-ish hairstyles maybe. Well, uh Kiko was kind of different. But that's true. The Australian uh, Australian lady and I think Nightshade, I I couldn't tell them apart. Oh yeah, those two were I did not know those were two different people. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't until either. I looked up. So yeah, that's a, I think if you're making a James Bond game today, that aspect of it could be handled a little better. Yeah. I think James Bond can still be a bit of a womanizer, but I think, uh, I think the women in the game could be a little less horny. <laughs> a little less like, oh, whatever you want, James. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. have a little bit more of their own personality and goals and aspirations and all that. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. I think it I think it more so stands out for me for like the side characters who just like throw themselves. Yes. At James. Like just out of nowhere. But yeah. That that covers everything unless you got something else to add. Uh no, I don't think so. All right. That covers James Bond 007 Nightfire. Where you can play this today. It uh has three console versions that are, as far as I can tell, identical other than like, you know, technical differences like load times and stuff uh you have it on the ps2 the gamecube and the xbox all very affordable ps2 you're looking at around 15 dollars or less to pick this game up xbox is also around 15 gamecube of course is more expensive because it's the gamecube uh at around 25 dollars still very affordable like considering all of these games sort of like what a what a, what your average game will go for on each console there is a pc version of the game that has omitted the uh like driving sections i don't know if it omitted like all vehicle sections but like 
some, if not all. It's also developed by a different then studio. maybe that's the ideal version. <laughs> well, maybe. I know that at the time it was reviewed less favorably than the console versions were. Okay. A, a couple of the reviews that I looked up reported, like, poor AI and stuff like that. Oh. Uh, and then, Morgan, if you scroll to the bottom. Yes. I need you to click on the GBA version. Okay. Okay. I have the YouTube video pulled up. Do you want me to watch it? Oh, yeah. Just give that a little look. Okay. Oh, my God. This is a this is a whole ass first person shooter on the Game Boy Advance. What? Oh, it looks like ass. I don't know how you control this. I guess you point. I guess it's just Doom like so. <sighs> tank controls. You can go forward, backwards. Probably turn left and right. Wow. Looks like it. I want to play this. Yeah. This looks ridiculous. Oh, it looks like Doom. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Doom. The audio looks hella compressed, or it sounds hella it compressed. It does, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't, I, I, so whenever there's a GBA port, I'm expecting like top down, you know, or different Or like 2D platformer. Style. Yeah, I really want to try this. This looks stupid. It does look <laughs> stupid. Wow. I've never seen anything like that on the Game Boy. I don't think I've ever seen a first person shooter on the Game no. Boy. No. Other than like maybe Doom, because Doom has to be ported to everything yeah. by modders. But yeah. So that's pretty neat. That version of the game runs for $40. Jeez. Or at least, no, no, no. I saw one listing for it on eBay and it was $40. Oh, okay. So okay. that's it. So apparently not a super common game. Definitely the most interesting of like all these versions is this Game Boy version. Right. So. And in terms of like the console versions, the only differences I could like find in my research um was just like loading times so like i think mm -hmm. xbox was the fastest and ps2 was the slowest which means the game gamecube was like right in the middle interesting yeah, yeah. it's always interesting like how those differences play out in the speedrunning community because this is something that i've i've looked into for uh spongebob battle for bikini bottom of all games yeah i can't remember which version was preferred but i don't think it's always like super clear cut which of these three consoles ends up with the preferred version like i think in some cases the ps2 version ends up being the more optimized of the three even though it's the weakest hardware mm -hmm. uh, and that may just be due to like more focus being put into that version because it's the you know the highest install base and stuff like that but yeah it's it's always interesting to see how those version differences you know affect the niche community of people who are trying to like play the game the fastest yeah yeah and i would be interested to see what a speedrun of this game looks like because i would imagine it would be kind of wild <laughs> i imagine it would be pretty fun to see yeah yeah because uh, you can do a lot of wild stuff in it mm -hmm. so all right so morgan do we recommend this game i say yes mm -hmm. i give it a big fat yes i give it a big fat thumbs up as well i think this is like a really good like short sort of weekend playthrough where you can just like beat it you know in one or two sittings and it's just like a fun sort of like bunch of different you know variety locations and stuff it's really short it's a fun time it's also so cheap yes like if if you're into physical collecting i would say this is like a, a no-brainer this is like a probably as far as like this is the best cheap game that we've covered it's not so 300 dollars like haunted ground was <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking about it. So far, we've covered like dirt cheap games and super expensive games. Yes. <laughs> and this is uh, probably the best of the dirt cheap games. So definitely, definitely worth it. Um, as far as like future entries in the James Bond series, I think it's been a while, like a hot, a hot second since we've seen a James Bond video game. I want to say the last one might have been on like the 360 or the Wii. Mm -hmm. You know, that generation. Okay. Um, if James Bond were to make a comeback to video games, what aspects of this game would you like to see evolved or 
altered or brought forward into a new entry? Definitely um, the like more like sandboxy aspects of like the mechanics and like the level design and everything. And I think Mm -hmm. it would benefit them to just like kick whoever like instead of trying to stick to the current James Bond era, like who's, well, who's the actor that's playing James Bond right now? I don't think it would be right. a bad idea to have like a, um, a game Jane, James Bond universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Like, uh, kind of what they're doing with like the Marvel games. Yeah. Currently, yeah, exactly. Where it's like a, just a different thing entirely. They don't need to be, I know some people are like, Oh, those, it looks like budget Tony Stark or budget Chris Pratt. It's like, uh, it can be a different guy. Right. Like, it's a different sort of universe. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be, I think that'd be cool. I think James Bond seriously like deserves a place in modern video games. Cause he feels he's kind of like integral to the history of like modern shooters with golden eye mm-hmm. and stuff like that oh for sure and this game's pretty freaking sweet despite being a little overlooked yeah um i don't know if this i don't know if like a a, a next entry should be like full-on hitman levels of sandbox but leaning more towards sandbox is good yes toe like toe the line between hitman and call of duty somehow you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah like uh you know turn the call of D- this game already has the call of duty dial dank danked up i meant cranked up <laughs> It's got it cranked up to like 10 or something. Yeah. And it's it's just, just a bit too much Call of Duty. I feel like it should kind of exist in a little bit of a different space. You know, a bit more like stealth and like a gadget-focused gameplay. Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's all I have to say about, you know, that. you have anything to add or? Uh, no, I don't. All right, so that concludes the uh, James Bond discussion. I think that I tend to say that the discussion has concluded twice. Every episode, I usually end up cutting one out. Oh, nice. I think I always say it concludes every time we reach the conclusion, but then I say it actually concludes whenever we reach the, like, what are we playing next Yeah, section. yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, next, we're going to play Call of Duty Finest Hour, the first Call of Duty game. I believe this is originally a PC game, so this is, I think, ported to consoles. Okay. Uh, it's pretty dang short, sitting at around five hours as well. I started playing it. It's pretty solid. I think you'll enjoy it. It's... It's very digestible in the way that Call of Duty games tend to be digestible. Okay. So that's uh, that's what we'll be covering next time. All right. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more discussion of PlayStation 2 games, subscribe to or follow the show on whatever platform you like to listen on. Uh, you can expect a new episode on the second of every month. Uh, you can find Clayton on pixel.wave or you can find me by screaming in the void and maybe I'll scream back. Uh, thank you for listening (laughs) and goodbye. (laughs) Yep. Goodbye.